Welcome to Coffee and Geography, where my guests and I geek out about the world and everything on it, discovering that we are all geographers in some way, shape or form. I'm your host, Kit, and my pronouns are they, them or she, her. So settle down with a brew, hit that subscribe or follow button and enjoy the listen. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Coffee and Geography. So I've got someone um, with me who is a bit of an enthusiast of things on wheels, particularly buses. And I'm looking behind him on the wall, and you have a collection of license plates from all around the world. Um, And we're going to be geeking out over these kind of things, folks, because I am here with Zach Nelson. Hello, Zach. Good evening. Hello. How are you? Doing very well, thanks. Yeah. and. um, We were both, so Zach is someone I haven't met in person, but I missed the opportunity to do so because, um, Zach, you were manning the uh, the stall for the company you work with at Norwich Pride uh, the weekend just gone with that very colourful bus, which we'll talk about a bit later. So, yeah, I, I can't believe it. I was like, I knew you were there and I just didn't get the chance to kind of pop by. But uh, did, you have, did you have fun on Saturday? Yes, it was really, really good. We had lots of interest in the bus and lots of interest in the free jelly beans and things we were giving away on the stall. Um, people seemed very surprised that we didn't want any money, um, <laughs> which was which was good. So yeah, it was a really good day. Okay, now now that my eldest has left the room, I'm now I can now say, say publicly that I can't believe I missed the bus because now we've missed out on the jelly beans. Oh no! <laughs> Walked yeah, back in just as you said, jelly bean. Yeah, and he's giving me a look. Everybody, it's like we've missed some jelly beans at Pride. Yeah, we missed some jelly beans at Pride. Well, before we go on too much onto nonsense, folks, let's introduce Zach. So, Zach is a bus enthusiast from Norfolk who grew up obsessed with all things countries, capitals, and flags. So, what a perfect podcast for Zach to be on. He has a collection of over six hundred number plates from over seventy countries. So, the the ones I can say roughly, you've got about a dozen on the wall behind you. So, I'm only seeing a small smidgen portion there, I guess. Um, so, and Zach works in marketing in the transport industry and can also drive buses and coaches himself. So you've got, what is it called? What is it called now? Is it still called a PSV license now? Is it Zach or is it called something else nowadays? Um, PSV is fine. PCV is more common. Passenger carrying vehicle. I don't actually know what that's (laughs) for, to be honest. (laughs) I'm just guessing. So yeah, so I know we got, you've got like LGV, which is long goods vehicle uh, light good vehicle lights goods ve- yeah. hgv heavy goods vehicle which is basically your lorries and trucks folks uh yeah so psv yeah. pcv that must um, be a passenger carrying vehicle i think you must be must right there. Be. That makes sense. yeah because because i've got a i've got a um so for the folks who don't know what this is i have a d1 license so what's a you know what a d1 license is surely <laughs> I haven't looked at the back I'm of my last for a while. I know there are lots of different letters. <laughs> I'm putting Zach on the spot here just because he's <laughs> in a traveling video doesn't mean he necessarily knows the codes that the DVLA use, you know, on the back of our, li- our licenses. So, yes, yeah, so a D1. So, I, I can drive up to a, a 15 seat minibus. Um, so, uh, and I, I got that uh, courtesy of the school I used to work at because I used to. You know, when I taught geography, I used to take kids on their field trips, and it was quite handy and cheaper to take a hired coach. And a minibus rather than like two coaches. So um, it was actually worthwhile economically. So you've got, um, yeah, so we are here on Coffee and Geography. So we usually talk about our brews, but you don't have a hot drink with you this evening. I don't. I've never had 
hot drinks in my life, really. People really? say, you must not be British. You don't like tea. You don't like <laughs> coffee. What do you drink? I said, I just prefer cold drinks. I have to admit, it's quite unusual that someone hasn't like, like just, just does not go for hot drinks at all. So what have you got with you then? The evening I've instead. got a homemade banana and coconut smoothie, oh, um, which is made with coconut milk and uh, two or three blended bananas. And that's because all the shop ones I seem to, to see have pineapple in them. And I can't stand pineapple, whether it's on a pizza or in my drink. Oh. I don't like it. So just banana and the hint of coconut, um, which is why I, I do them homemade. <laughs> i tell you who's punching the air listening to that is... Uh, is uh, Professor Chris Jackson, who I, who I had on the podcast a few months ago. He absolutely detests pineapple on pizza and thinks it's sacrilege. So, uh, so Chris, Chris, <laughs> you've got yeah, yeah, you've got an ally now, uh, mate. So um, <laughs> I feel like I'm two one down now because uh, I tried to. Well, I just couldn't convince him to get put pineapple. I I do like a bit of pineapple on pizza, but um, oh, I didn't mean I to offend you. Sorry. <laughs> no, I feel triggered now. No, it's, <laughs> no, it's all good. So uh, yeah, good. So. You're probably, I mean, you're not the first person to be like coming on coffee and drunk with a cold drink. And of course, if we were going into an actual coffee shop and sitting and have a chat, you know, you would order what you want. It could be a smoothie, it could be a milkshake, it could be that, whatever. So, um, depends on the day. I don't always drink a coffee so or a tea. So it's whatever suits you. Right. So Zach, as we say, you're, you're my, um, I'm having a glut of guests this season from Norwich, which is not a surprise, bearing in mind that that's kind of the region that I'm in as well. Um, because uh, my last guest, Connor, my ex-colleague who works at the UEA as a PhD student, was from Norwich as well. So I do apologise, everybody, that I seem to be Norwich-centric. But nobody hardly ever has heard of Norwich or think we're a backwater. So you're just going to have to deal with it and learn from us, right? <laughs> so um, have you? Um, are you Norwich-born and bred then, Norfolk-born and bred? Yeah, I was born in the old NNN, um, which oh, isn't, isn't there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I've lived in a house which I grew up with about 10 miles south of Norwich for 25 years. And then I moved here into the middle of Norwich. Okay. Um, where I've lived with my partner for the last, or well, a couple of partners and a flatmate, three different people, uh, <laughs> dated two of them, not the other, <laughs> um, for, since March 2020, just before COVID. Oh, crikey. Yeah. So that really was on the, on the wire, wasn't it? So you've moved in together and all of a sudden lockdown happens. We were planning on moving in, in in April, and as Boris came on the TV, it, it came to a point where it was, we need to go now, or it's not going to happen. Uh, oh luckily for God. me, the previous tenant was happy to move out that night, and it was actually, we had to get out before midnight, obviously, because of the lockdown rules, and we just got everything, wow. and like a, a oiled, well-oiled machine, just in and out straight away, and I was in about, well, just, just after midnight, everything just piled up. Slept My on the floor goodness. that night, and then obviously with with furlough, I had seven eight weeks to sort it out. So, <laughs> so in, a, in a kind of perverse sense, it was actually an ideal time for you to move. But uh, yeah, you know, in a way. We, yeah, we know obviously COVID has not been a pleasant journey for a lot of people, um, as we know. But a lot of people have tried to make the best out of the situation, and it sounds like you know, you, in terms of moving, you lucked out and made the best of the situation. But then you furlough, yeah, for seven eight weeks. It's like, well, what can we do? We might as well start making this house a home. Yeah, and that's what we did. And it was by the time I went back to work, we were quite pleased with it. But even now, I'm still making little changes, yeah. like putting number plates on the wall. Probably, and things. I was going to say, like, how, many, <laughs> how many license plates do you get on the wall like, during that time? Um, yeah. So, uh, oh, wow, what a what a story. So, um, the old N and N. Wow. So, uh, yeah. So, folks, folks who don't know, it's um, so 
you might have heard of maybe for negative reasons in the news, but um, you may have heard of the Norfolk and Norwich University Hospital. So that's like a, a really giant complex. It's called a university hospital because it's a teaching hospital as well. So the University of East Anglia partner with them and train midwives and nurses and doctors there. So that, that's now got its own big site to the west of Norwich. But the old hospital was a very old building right near the centre of Norwich, actually. So... Uh, so that's where 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 you were born, and uh, off Newmarket Road, and and if I think I'm right, they developed it into flats, but they actually kept the original core building because it was a listed building, I believe. So they couldn't knock them down, but they converted the inside of them to flats. I think that's yeah, that's right. right. There's still um, uh, some of the old buildings are still there, converted. Um, but they did get rid of some of the old wings that yeah. were listed. And I'm told, I don't know how my mum remembers this, but uh, apparently the building I was born in isn't there anymore. Oh, but that's um, a bit of a shame, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so it's it's kind of almost a, a sign of the times, really, isn't it? About the sign of development and the geography mm. teachers listing probably can understand, can probably tell their own stories of this, where the place that you were born is now a block of flats. Mm. So it's, it's a, a quite common thing. Um, but yeah, so, uh, but well, at least when you drive past there and you see the old building with the, I think it's the one with is it one with the clock, is it clock on it. I think it's still there. I can't remember, but uh, at least you can say yeah, that's that's where it is. But where my kids were born, Norfolk and Norwich University Hospital. It's, that's not Norwich. That's Colney. Mm-hmm. So and that's uh, probably well, not going to be getting demolished anytime yeah. soon either. So they probably won't be able to say that place where I was born isn't there anymore at any point in their lives. So you look at their passport, yeah, and it says Co- it says Coney Norfolk, and like oh, does it? Where's yeah? It actually, says Coney in there on their on oh. their passport. It doesn't say Norwich. So people are like looking at where are you point? Where the hell's that? It's like oh, basically it's Norwich. It's just mm. uh, the little it used to be a village outside Norwich, which Norwich grew into. Mm. So um, yeah, so that's a really interesting thing. But folk, yeah, it's a really interesting kind of like brownfield development that they changed the old hospital. It just was not fit for purpose anymore it's too small you know the transport links will come to that it's a good segue there the transport links around there were pretty terrible at the time and and you know it was supposed to be more effectively out there on the out there in the in the towards the sticks but um yeah what would you say then zach is so you you lived in south norfolk and you're now living in norwich so you haven't really gone anywhere else but you you do like to travel though yeah because you you've been uh, you say you're like you grew up watching Eurovision. You've travelled to or driven through the vast majority of Europe. So go on, regale me a a tale or two of of probably your most memorable trek through through Europe. Well, it all started in um, 2008 uh, when I was just a, a young boy, um, and we went abroad for the first time as a family holiday to South Germany. And I was just wide eyed and just in, in awe at the fact that everything's on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> like, what is happening here? Um, and we went abroad again in 2014. So over the period of high school, my interest in geography grew, which is where Eurovision and flags and everything comes into it. Yeah. And I was begging my parents every year, please, let's go abroad. And they said, when you're old enough, you can pay for it yourself. <laughs> I was like, fine, I will. And I've proven them right. Um, in 2017, I went abroad for the first time with my friend Carl to Sweden um, drove there, um, which took a couple of days. Nice. Since then, of 2018, I took a 25-year-old camper van uh, oh. to the Pyrenees and back. Um, 2019, I drove to Bulgaria and back over the course of two weeks just for fun. Um, then COVID. And then in 2022, yeah, last year. Last year, um, yeah. 
I got bored of waiting for Nightwish to come back and performing in the UK. And I saw they were doing a festival in Hungary. And I thought, right, I'm booking a ticket. 30 quid. Oh, my goodness. Booked a ticket. And then I thought, how am I going to get there? Let's drive. So <laughs> I did. I uh, took my, my miniature camper van and drove to Hungary just to watch a one and a half hour gig. So that was two weeks on holiday. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> just to watch a gig. Um, and I've recently just come back from Norway and another two week road trip with my other half in my little camper van. So I, I, yeah, every year I just like to escape this country and go and explore everywhere else. Wow. So how many miles has your camper van done then? Uh, <laughs> when you last read the odometer? Well, on the most recent trip, I reset it before I went. Um, and in two weeks, we did three and a half thousand miles. Oh, nice. Um, which the, the fuel was okay when it was split in two um yeah and now it's on the way down again that was all right but obviously in a camper van you're not paying anything for accommodation so it's really affordable if you know what you're doing and can research mm. and look into where you're allowed to park um it's it's perfect it's, that's it's a good point yeah cheaper than staying abroad uh staying in this country a lot of the time that's a really good point actually yeah because a lot of people say i don't want to do that it sounds really expensive you know if, mm. if you don't own your camper van, camper van you know you've got a higher one and you've got what about getting on Eurostar and all that kind of stuff? And then they say it adds up. But yeah, you're absolutely right. But then when you look at the price of accommodation just for a single night or two nights, it kind of like balances out. I mean, that's um, a pretty good way of doing it. So, okay, I'm going to ask you a bit of, um, okay, I'm going to tw- tweet this question I was going to ask you then. So I want you to pretend that you can combine all these trips that you did. Maybe you're going to go, you know, Shadow Nightwish on their tour <laughs> or something around you. I don't know. And you've got your little camper van. So... Let's imagine you could piece together the highlights of any trips that you've done, like driving to this part or this view that you saw or this stop mm. that you did or this this little family-run restaurant that you stayed in where they were lovely local people, whatever. Give us, a, give us a, like a highlights package if we were to go Zach Nelson's highlight package tour. <laughs> you take a camper van, you follow his journey, and here are the highlights you're going to see. So give us, give us two or three highlights from your various trips then. Wow, that's a, a, know, a, a big question. question. Uh, yeah. I'm digging around in my brain now, just thinking of of the best best bits because it's just all been such an adventure. Um, see, I've recently just come back from a road trip, so I'll probably start there because it's fresh in the memory. Yeah, there was looking at where do we want to go, and I, um, my other half, Elliot, said he wants to go into Scandinavia. And I'd been there before with my friend Carl. Um, I thought, yeah, I'll take you to all the best places we went to, and we'll find some new bits too. And um, we noticed there's a, a glacier. Um, in the south of Norway, which is still quite north, but, you know, Norway's nice and long. Um, (laughs) So it's kind of the most southernmost glacier we could get to. And um, there was this walk to get up there, which was a couple of hours. And it was (laughs) a hell of a scary scary walk. Um, There was two different options. One was to go up to the top and look at the glacier from above, like from a a view top. And um, the other walk was to come and look at it from through the valley and see it at the bottom. Okay. which was apparently shorter. So we thought, well, we're not really very fit. We'll do that one. <laughs> um, that walk was demanding. There was uh, waterfalls ah, coming so- across with rocks and ropes. And oh, it was my goodness. genuinely dangerous. And also a fit, not UK fit. So you're not really fit for a British person, but like that would be like an easy walk up the park for someone in Norway, probably. Yeah, there, there were dogs and children just casually skipping up these rocks and, and me and Elliot are kind of there just <laughs> clinging onto this rope, looking down, going, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, yes, it, it it was amazing. And the walk itself was almost as good as the view when you get there and you're yeah, just standing wow. 
in awe of this thing, which isn't going to be here for much longer yeah, because yeah. of obviously climate change. And yeah. you know, it just stayed in its presence for a good half an hour, just, just standing there, just looking at it in complete awe. It must be majestic. I mean, I've... I have seen I've I've I have seen glaciers with my own eyes, most mostly smaller ones, and and I've no, I've never seen like major massive glaciers. I've never had the privilege of of going to to places like that. But I've uh, taught a lot about them, seen a lot you know a lot of footage and stuff like that. And they I can only imagine and read stories, both fictional and non-fiction, about them. I can imagine they must be so much majestic things. And um, you mentioned about climate change there, just a, just a sidestep right there. Did did you get a sense of how can we cause like stuff like this to just melt away? Like, because was this was the size of it quite overpowering? Well, yeah. I, I was absolutely staggered by the amount of water that was coming down this valley. Um, mm. And seeing that, and also knowing that whilst it is obviously retreating, but in 20, 30 years time, we're probably still going to be there. And I'm thinking, how, how is it still going to be there when all of this water's coming down? It just uh, yeah. showed the, the sheer size of what you're looking at and, and how much water and ice there is up there yep. because the whole valley and the whole lake and everything in that, that area was all come, it all come from that. Yep. And 40 years ago, it was, it was there and it's still there and it's obviously melting quicker, but it's still going to be there for, for a little bit longer. It's their and, immense size. Yeah. Yeah. I was just absolutely staggered. Yeah, well, glacier. I, I can't remember the fact off the top of my head. You know, there, there'll be people out there who know know this, but um, you know, glaciers do provide fresh water for uh, I think millions of people around the world. You know, through through the seasonal accumulation and melting back, and the accumulation and melting back. So they have this seasonal cycle anyway, where the water, you know, and it gives a, a nice constant feed of water, and millions of people do rely on that, particularly in places like the, you know the Himalayas and the Andes, and. Um, but yeah, but to think that we're going through this process now, as you've just said, that where the the retreat, you know, the melting is is greater than the accumulation, and then, God, yeah, it's uh, it it kind of like, yeah, it kind of beg, you know, it's beggar's belief really. But uh, we let's we'll get off our soapbox there. So you've, that's the one thing. So we've got um, the Norwegian glaciers. All right, I'll just give you one more then, because you like you're saying, oh crikey, where do I start? So what, what would be what would be your other highlight then? I would probably say um, on that trip to, to Hungary to see Nightwish on, on the way back, I went through the Czech Republic and I, I, there's a, a number plate collector in the Czech Republic called Tomas and, and we'd met once before and uh, we did agree to meet up again and he basically took me for a couple of days and played played as my host. Nice. And he, he provided, um, him and his family provided free accommodation. Um, he was buying meals and things. He was oh. taking me everywhere that was really nice to see in his, in his town and village and whilst we were doing that we'd meet other random people that were just so friendly and there was one chap who we met in a car park I'd taken Thomas to this car park because he wanted to learn how to drive a car and he wanted to drive a right-hand drive car it was really exciting <laughs> cool. um, so we, I took him to this car park and he had a little go around and there was another chap sat there um, on the phone and he, he got out and was like oh are you English and I was like yes and he just started chatting about how he wants to go to England and, and everything and because Thomas obviously spoke Czech, they then had a bit of conversation in Czech. And um, yeah, it was just fascinating hearing this random man's stories. And it ended up with him. He literally just gave me his phone number um, and said, if you ever need anything at any point, if you're ever in the Czech Republic and you need anything, call me, text me, I'll, I'll help you out. Wow. Um, and he gave me this this sticker for a football team that he 
runs or something, some Sunday league team. Um, and I was like, excellent, because they saw my car had lots of stickers on from all the places I go to, and I put it on my car, and his face was just so oh. happy that his football club's going to be represented all through Europe and in the future, back amazing. here at home. And I sent him a picture when I got home, and he was just like, oh, that's amazing. And it's meeting local people when you're on these trips, if you're brave enough to, to go on your own um, and actually get out into the culture yeah. and meet people. It, those are the are the stories that you remember and those are the experiences that you remember. That is so cool. Do you, do you not remember the top of your head what the football team's called? Give them a shout uh, out. It, it was, um, uh, the logo was there, but the, the sticker says, um, my home, Hradetsk, which is um, where the town was, Hradetsk, Kralova which is oh. a little, probably about 30, 40 minutes away from Prague. I can't remember which direction, which isn't very good for a geography podcast. But, um. well, there you go. So, folks, if you know, if if you I've, – I've actually looked at my listener stats and I have had like one or two people listen from the Czech Republic, right? So if you're those two, one or two people from the Czech Republic who listen to this podcast, there you go. You've had a shout out for this football team. Go and go and see. I know Czech Republic's not a small country. It's not. You just can't go just nip up the road, right? But <laughs> say that this would be so amazing if it happens, right? I, no chance, but we might as well give it a go. <laughs> go to that town. Go and see that football team play. Go up to the manager and say to the manager, "We heard about your football team on this podcast called Coffee and Geography, where somebody called Zach, who you met in his camper van." And I've and he sounds like he he'll, he'll get a kick out of that. So there we go. <laughs> Let's make this football team famous. Yeah, sounds wow. like a plan. That'd yeah, be good, wouldn't it? and if if you do do that, folks, <laughs> tweet us, email us, let us know. That would be so awesome. I tell you what, sounds like I need to get that that fella or, or Thomas on this podcast to sound sound like a right riot. Oh, he'd absolutely love it. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's been all over the like world media with his number oh. nine collection. He's managed. I don't know how he does it. He wangles his way into all sorts. <sighs> I'm gonna. Oh, that's, that sounds like I'm gonna have to. Ca- I'm gonna have to catch that, right? I'm gonna move on the quite nicely with you about staying with Europe about Eurovision. Then, so um, I think I don't think we've actually. I think we've kind of mentioned it in passing with a previous guest, just as a kind of like a little bit of a side joke of that. But I don't think I've actually had the chance of actually speaking about it to somebody because we've got you know most people know listening will know who Eurovision is, but I do have listeners from outside of Europe particularly United States, who don't really know what the fuss is all about. And and why in the hell is Australia in it? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'll let you take on this one. And so how would you best describe Eurovision then, Zach, for, for people who are for the uninitiated and the and the, the people living under for rock? It, uh, it's <laughs> just a whole lot of fun. I absolutely love the vibe. I, I love the songs. It's a, a festival of music and a festival of love, really. Some some argue would say it's you know it has uh, the voting can be a bit political, but nobody really That's cares. Nonsense. About, nobody can really care <laughs> about that, really, do they? It's all about the music. Yeah. So basically, folks, what it is is that they're, they're, you go you go through like preliminary rounds, semi-finals, stuff like that. But let's just go straight to the final. Basically, you have as you know about two dozen countries are represented by a, a single um, act, which you know of music, and it could could be any kind of music. It could be metal. It could be rock. It could be opera. It could be a ballad. It could be jazz. Whatever it is, right? But it has to have quirky, strange pyrotechnics or costumes 
or whatever you know it's got to be flamboyant it's got to be cool it's got to be amazing because there was one year wasn't there when um we actually entered as the uk we entered andrew lloyd weber who's an internationally renowned yeah. musician you thought oh is he is he going to pick up a few because uk usually skill scores nil poire now nowadays right nobody likes it anymore especially since brexit um so but andrew lloyd weber like i think didn't he get like one or two points like out of um, like maximum like 300 or something. no no that, that was 2009 he was playing the piano on stage right. for, for jade ewan who was the singer and actually came fourth or fifth it okay. was our best result for absolutely ages 2009 that was okay so okay maybe the andrew lloyd weber effect did have a little bit of a yeah that was our best result since um until sam Ryder. yeah in 2022 so the last time we actually won it was that katrina and the waves yeah with love shine was it love shine a light that's it. 1990, 97. Yeah. <laughs> God, 97. Yeah. I was in year nine, year eight or year nine at the time, which is uh, 30, Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that's about it. But uh, I, I know that. Um, and then I remember Jedwood, but they, they entered for Ireland, didn't they? That was Ireland. Yeah. Two yeah. years in a row, I think. Yeah. Right. So folks, if you want to know Eurovision, just type in Jedwood, right? <laughs> J E D W A R D. Um, and look at what those two are, you know, that's just nuts. Um, okay. Favorite Eurovision song. Um, I think it will, it's got to be 2007's winner, um, Molit Var, which is a song in Serbian sung by Maria Serafovic. And it was their first time entering as a independent country. They just split with, from, from Montenegro. And it was a beautiful, beautiful song. And it's still in my playlist today. And I know all the words in Serbian. <laughs> oh, um, wow. Yeah, it, it, there's just something about it. I've probably it's an emotional connection as well, because it was one of my, my first contests. And I was only 11, 12 at the time. Um, so it was one of my earliest memories of Eurovision. But even now, it's still such a good song. And she's released a version uh, there's a video I've got saved in my tab on Chrome. I'm looking at it now where she released it during the COVID lockdowns to, she came out onto the streets, the empty streets of Belgrade and, and sung it. And there's like pictures and moving videos of the empty streets and nurses going to work with their masks on and kids in the balconies clapping and singing along and things. And yeah. it was just really moving. So even now it's still a really big hit in the Eurovision world. Oh yeah. Wow. Crikey. Your knowledge is pretty good. I'm, I feel like I'm going to do the wrong quiz later with you. But, um, <laughs> I know you wait. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, so I think oh, it's hard for me really. I mean, I really enjoyed, was it punk rock revolution by Lordy? Hard rock. Hallelujah. Hard rock. Hard rock. Hallelujah. Yeah, I, by Lordy. I think that might be one of the reasons why I quite like rock and metal perhaps. Cause that was yeah. very early. That was my first contest. 2006. 2006. Yeah. 2006. And, um, I am a bit of a suck. I mean, I, I, I like, I'm more of a person who likes things like, as I've mentioned to you before, um, like Wolf Alice, Jezebel's churches, stuff like that. So a little bit like uncontemporary pop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually kind of the, the, the pop in Eurovision is quite enjoyable. And I think actually one of my favorites, I might have been the same year as Lordy. I'm not quite sure you'll be able to tell me. I quite like playing with fire by Ovi and Paula and uh, Paula Ceiling. Playing with fire. Yeah. That rings a bell. Cause we're running away. Yeah. I think I'll remember that one. So I think that might, when was that? I'm going to have to look it up now. 2010, 2011, something like that. If, 
if it's not if it's not within the last ten years, and it wasn't a song I liked, it probably has just slipped away into the background <laughs> somewhere. But, but, but I recognise it from your singing, so that's a positive oh, okay. sign. Actually, okay, <laughs> from my about my singing anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, go folks. But like, do it is it is an institution. You've got to look it up. Eurovision, you know, um, this year's winner was quite decent. I think um, I quite like this year's winner. That was um, Lorraine. Lorraine, yeah, she's a character. <laughs> come back 10 years later and, and sweeped everybody away again with yep. uh, another win. Yeah. So, uh, so that was, um, so she's from Sweden, not Sweden. Sweden. Yeah. She's from yeah. Sweden. And then what happens folks is that usually what happens is that the winners of the Eurovision then host it the following year. So I'm get, I guess you get some people from that country who host a big event, stuff like that. Some of them must be going, yes, excellent. And others going, Oh my God, we've got to put this <laughs> thing on. Like yep. But, um, it could be really nice, though. It could be quite unifying. So, as, as Zach mentioned before, because this year, for example, was actually hosted in the United Kingdom, not because the UK won it the previous year, but because Ukraine won it. And I, and, I, and a lot of that was because of in solidarity with what's happening. And so what and then the UK over up in Liverpool said, we'll host it on your behalf, but it's, it's going to be Ukraine celebration because you won it last year. But the UK hosted it on their behalf, which I thought was a nice touch. So to make sure that they got the celebration of that, so yes, it was a, a really good event. Um, obviously, because the UK came second, they were next in line. Once it became apparent that Ukraine couldn't host, and yeah, 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 I went up to Liverpool, and they did a really good job on making it very clear that this, you know, this is Ukraine's party, as as, as yeah. Sam Ryder put it. Um, it's Ukraine's party, but it's at our house. Yep, and yeah, it was it was really good. Yeah, and it's a jo- and it's a geography teachers dream really like eurovision because when they do all the uh the little um vignettes when they introduce in all the countries before they come yeah. on in their act and they do like almost it's almost like a bloody tourist little vignette isn't it about the they place call them the postcards postcards that's right yeah. yeah so um and i bet you're going like oh, i've been there i've been there i've been there, I've been <laughs> there. <laughs> oh awesome Hi folks, a chance for you to recharge your brew, but also a polite prod to remind you that it's so easy to support this podcast. Simply liking, sharing, rating and reviewing means that it will get on more people's radar. Also, there are a few links down in the description which may be of mutual benefit. Please do check them out. Yeah, like, okay, let's go on to the number plates now and I'm going to do a quiz with you. Right. Okay. So I'm going to put a, so for you, and I'll put this link in the description for everybody so they can have a go at the quiz as well. So if I put it in the chat here, hopefully it's a clickable link for you, Zach. So it's just appeared in the chat on the right hand side there. Right. So what yeah. I've done, folks, um, it's going to be quite weird because obviously this is going to be a very visual quiz. And I'm going to do my best that as um, Zach goes through this, is that I'm going to do my best to describe you the, the license plate that Zach's going for. So um trying to think the best way to do this really is that i'll tell you what let's let's keep it simple let's go from top left across the right we'll go by row right okay yeah okay so um what we're gonna do i I always play my quirky cheesy jazz music over this jazz quiz music right okay zach so are you um you ready would you like me just to whiz through them in a in a like 
once one after the other or yep if you give me 10 seconds to describe it for the listeners and yeah. then you say that is right first one's gonna be so here we go folks it's the license plate quiz with zach nelson so okay folks so the first one here we've got uh, a lovely license plate it says vacation land at the bottom and at the top it says maine and there's a little bird in the top right corner so that country would be usa um yeah so that is yep so that's a quite uh, an easy one so usa one out of one so the first one the second one this is another easy one because it's got the province at the top or ontario it's got a little um crown in between the letters ecm and 32 yours to discover and this is canada canada right okay they um they get a bit harder but this one i know that you know this one because it's right behind you over on the left <laughs> this has got an eu flag nl and it's got a license plate 10-00-zz that is the netherlands the netherlands another ding okay so the next one has got the country code s it's quite a bland one really just white with black letters but where's this from sweden sweden right okay now this is getting interesting it's a yellow license plate it's pretty basic but it's got a um very strange typeface really but it's, it's quite you've got n space then some numbers space w where do you reckon this one might be namibia oh my god yes he's got that one as well <laughs> right okay fifth one uh sixth one so this one has got some letters in arabic so that kind of um well yep arabic and it's got some um lovely le- I, I love the arab the way the way it looks it's such a beautiful language it's got kbl in the bottom left that's going to be a big big hint um and i can't quite tell what the building is just above kbl but it's a little tiny little etching of a building what's this one do you think this one's afghanistan and it's yeah. for a private vehicle as you can see with a prv at the end oh my good private so that's vehicle, just a standard right. car and i guess it's kbl kabul yes <laughs> that's the region code on the left cl- uh, vehicle class on the right all right okay right the next one it's a blue background with white lettering you've got um some symbolism on the left hand side there some looks like it's from the east uh a dot 902 xw what's this one then this one's china china yeah so what so is the is the symbol on the left its location I, have I believe so. Yeah. Uh, I'm not entirely certain with the, with the Chinese plates, but yeah. they are they do stand out, especially on British roads. I've seen one, <laughs> which okay. was quite a shock. <laughs> right. Well, we're next past the next two because I think the next two are quite straightforward. So they they look very yeah. similar. White background. They've got uh, a blue on the left hand side. One's got the flag and MD, and the second one's got its flag and GE. So these two are Moldova and Georgia. Yeah, they're pretty straightforward. Moldova and Georgia. Right. I've actually seen something similar to this one. So it's red, folks, with a, a white border, very thick bolt. I tell you, what, this this would be tricky to be picked up by an automatic license plate reader, I think, because because uh, the letters are quite bold and very close together. So BX one five three zero four two. You have a guess in this one? You would do well to see one of these in the UK. It's from Botswana. Oh, nice Botswana. Hundred percent. So we're halfway through, folks. This is amazing. Um, okay, there's there's a big hint on this one. So we've got um, lovely kind of 3D print on this one. So we've got 477-PNK. There's a barcode along the top. There is um, some kind of symbol. It look, it's not it's not the justice person, but it's some like it's like a statue with wings behind it. Uh, it says Distrito Federal uh, Transporte. Uh, is it Pilot? Uh, 
So that sounds like Spanish to me, but it's not Spanish because it is... Mexican. Mexican. Right, we're going to skip the next one. We know what the next one is. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's, the, that's the UK. Um, but where's where's um, where's DE? Where's Where was that registered? Because the first two letters on the UK license plate is where it was registered. Yeah, and they're not always where you'd expect. Uh, my dad had a car that started DV, and that was Shrewsbury. So <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing D is also uh, the, the Shrewsbury code for some reason. <laughs> yeah. So and my uh, my one is uh, EY, so that's somewhere in Essex. Yeah, E yeah. Is, is Essex, and A stands for Anglia. We've got some sensible ones around here in the yeah, East. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. Um, okay, the next one, it's got the... It's got the EU flag and the letter I, and it looks very similar to the ones we've seen before. So this should be a straightforward one. Italy. It's going for the pot, everybody. This is going to be, is it going to be a full whammy? Right, this is a really interesting one. This is more of a square license plate with a white background, um, green lettering. Um, it's definitely somewhere from the east because you've got that those characteristics up there. Small numbers at the top, 500. Big numbers underneath 46-49. Where's this one? Japan. Correct. Yes, right. They have some of the most distinctive plates and most collectible. They're very um, popular in collections. Yeah. Right. We're going for the lot here. Right. The next one should be straightforward because you can actually see its flag. And it says IL. So, folks, what do you reckon IL is? It's a, it's a yellow background with black text. But uh, Zach will reveal to us that that one is... Israel. Israel, yep. And the next one's easy as well because the EU flag with D. Ah, before Zach answers though, what do you think, folks, D is? Because that, that really does uh, throw some people out, that one. Because think of the country's name in its native language. There's the big hint. So, Zach, D in the European Union is? Deutschland, Deutschland Germany. Germany. Right. I've seen these ones. These are beautiful. So this one, this is this is quite a lovely one. I love this one. So it's a it's like a pale blue background, but it's got pictures behind the letters. So we've got uh, some corn. I think there's some kind of uh, animal. It looks like horned animal. Can't quite make sure what it is. Uh, a sunflower, and there's something else behind that as well. And it's got a nice green little bottom there to represent the land. So um, D S M space zero three two space N W. So you seen this one, Zach? I have. I've got a couple in my collection. I've also somehow seen a couple of cars dotted around Norfolk with these number plates, and they are South African. Really? I've yep. got to keep an eye out for those. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, okay, so this one is really interesting. So black border, white background, black text. Uh, it's got a little red symbol on the left. It looks like it could be a temple or a clock tower or something like that with a little... Uh, looks looks quite eastern there or, or whatever but um, we've got MNG in the middle and some rather strange characters on the right hand side which uh, looks so like it's definitely a, a non-English a non-Anglican um, language so this one is Zach Mongolia this is amazing um, you're gonna you're gonna get all of these this is amazing but the last one could I don't know I don't think the last one's gonna throw right we'll give you the next one is Belgium if you're gonna get all the other ones that's quite <laughs> <Yep. similar>. so <laughs> B B and it's actually red characters rather than uh, black ones which is quite interesting okay this one is also straightforward it's got the car it's got the uh, flag and it says R-U-S so I think you folks you can get that one right okay this one is a blue background silver gold a uh, silver uh, grey writing, nice grey silver border, and it has the word Victoria along the bottom, and it's definitely a personalised number plate because it's it's T T A M, fella. 
<laughs> that must be Australia. Yeah, yeah. If it says Victoria right. on it. Okay, right, folks. This is it. This oh, no. is it. <laughs> is this the one that's going to trip Zach up, right? Yes. It, <laughs> it's okay. It's white with a pale blue border and blue characters, right? The first two characters are definitely some kind of Sanskrit. It's not. It's not English. So maybe it's somewhere out out east or somewhere like that. Um, I do not know what they stand for. There's, there's something in the top right. I can't quite make out. It's like a little tiny stamp or something like that. But whether that will help at all. Right. <laughs> the grand finale. Are you going to guess uh, it? I have been typing in Thailand for a little bit and pressing <sighs> enter and nothing's been happening. Oh, so just, okay, it not must Thailand. not be Thailand. Although when I typed in Moldova earlier, that didn't work either. Yeah, they, so I'm not entirely sure it, why. Well, they've spelled it as Moldova, for so I think it's a typing. Oh, right. But, um, right <laughs> it it must be some other country near Thailand. You're in the know. right part of the world. I'll give you one more one more go. Go on. Cambodia. <laughs> oh. Okay, yeah, I have to say it was Laos. Ah. Uh, <laughs> but <fair> my <laughs> goodness me. So there was 20, well, there was 22 there. You got 21 oh, out of 22. That, that is... <laughs> To make up for the uh, for the one missing, perhaps I could tell you a few interesting facts with it. regards to that that font that you said on on Namibia's one yep. uh, is actually uh, originally on the German plate, as you can see, and it's becoming so popular yeah. that um, South Africa, Georgia, Moldova are all using it now, and it's becoming ever so popular in Europe and around the world. It's um, one of the most common fonts used on plates worldwide now. How interesting. Um, yeah, it's quite. It's, it's it's really weird, isn't it? Because it is very. It's actually quite distinct. Yeah, it's called Fe Shrift. Oh, that is incredible, and it's downloadable for free. <laughs> oh, that's. It. I do uh, like and one, one more little fact on Belgium's plate: if you can see the little seal above the first dash. Oh yeah, yeah. That uh, is the government seal, and that's because in Belgium the government supply you with the rear plate, but the front plate you have to go and get made up at a garage yourself. Okay. <laughs> For some weird reason. So that's why if you go to Belgium front plate, you'll see all sorts of different designs and, and, uh, and colours and things, a bit like in the UK, um, yep. different different style badges and different style fonts. But the rears will all look the same and they'll all have that CV fo- um, seal on. Nice. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, thank you for those facts. That definitely <laughs> tickled a lot of our listeners. I'll tell you. Yeah. So the the game I I play used to play quite a lot uh, in the past, particularly when I was um, traveling around the United States with, with my my wife and her family, is the license plate game where you we we always used to go on this road trip between the Twin Cities in Minnesota all the way out to Bozeman, Montana, where the family had a house, and that was a thousand miles one way, and then we try to tick off as many license plates as we could possibly. So oh, look, there's. Well, obviously, there's Montana, there's Minnesota, there's North Dakota. They're, they were easy, those ones. But then we would, like, if we could spot, like, a Hawaii one or an Alaska one, we'd be, like, amazing. But, yeah, there'd always be, like, an Illinois. There'd always be, like, a Washington. There'd always be because uh, a lot of tourists coming from those areas, New York and whatnot. But if, if, if we could find that, there was one year, I think, where we got 49 out of the 50 states. No, we got 50 out of 51 because we actually did see a Puerto Rico, um, which was amazing. But then we... But then we had Hawaii and we had Alaska. I can't remember the one that we couldn't get, which was bizarre. Rhode Island? Yeah, it was something like that. It was some like small little um, state out in the east or something like that. But uh, yeah, I can't believe it. We got Hawaii and Alaska one year and we didn't get. So 
Oh, well, yeah, give that a go next time you go road tripping in the States, folks. See how many license plates of the States you can get. Or if you go around Europe, do what Zach does and do all the European ones. That's that was a oh. fun, I promise. <laughs> yeah, well, I had fun just in the last 10 minutes. So, you know, <laughs> um, geeking out on that. Um, oh, let's stick to transport just very briefly because I really do want to talk about it because I almost, almost had such fun. Forgot about <laughs> this. Let's just let's circle back to Norwich and, uh, and talk about... Um, what you're doing with regards to, you know, because you're, you're a market in the transport industry and stuff like that. I really want uh, from your from your point of view, really, kind of like what Norwich has has done because it's done a lot of work kind of pedestrianising places, putting one-way systems in and like making it friendlier for the bus because I've lived in Norwich long, long enough to know that it was, it was quite terrible for public transport. It, it did a good job for what it had, but I think someone who prefers to use public transport, if not their electric car, they've, I quite like walking around the city centre now. The way they've they've spread it, I know it's upset a lot of drivers, but and it's forced a lot of people on the inner ring road. But um, yeah, St Stephen Street, that's quite a nice little way to walk around now. I mean, uh, what's your take on what what they've done? And from someone who works, you know, for a coach company, do are they have they made hay with that? Have they do the bus drivers enjoy going down those streets now rather than trying to knock over in between <laughs> weaving up all these cars and everything that just park there randomly? Yeah, so yeah. I remember when St. Stephen's was um, made unavailable to, to general traffic, let's let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. And um, as a young bus spotter at the time, it made my life taking photographs a lot easier because I didn't have to keep trying to get it in between the gaps of when cars were coming. Um, now I'm on the other side of the fence uh, and they've redone it again. Yeah, It's so, so much easier now for bus drivers to get in and out. <laughs> with those bus stops. I know there was some mm. controversy about the sawtooth bus bay and it's not safe for cyclists and it's not safe for people. And it was just a waste of money because it looks the same. I was like, it, it definitely doesn't look the same. <laughs> it's a much more <laughs> pleasant space as from as a pedestrian's point of view. Um, all the buses have individual bays now that they can drive in and drive out of. Um, and yeah, it's just a, a pleasant place to, to catch the mm. bus. Now the bus shelters are in finally. Yep. Um, it's, it's a, a really good space and, yeah, long may the investment in public transport continue. As it's mm. uh, you, your listeners in Norwich might be aware about the electric buses heading to the city. Yep. there'll be seventy brand new electric buses, which will be replacing half the fleet um, and That's pushing amazing. all the older stuff out of the city. Um, having some nice clean green air coming in, which will be really good. And it's important to have the right infrastructure for those buses to be operating in. We're yeah, really looking forward point. to welcoming the first few in the coming months. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and um, you know we know that Norwich has got you know quite a, uh, a heavy green council. Um, there's a lot of green green councillors on the Nor- Norwich City Council, and uh, it, they definitely are you know trying to do the best that they can. And I think what what I like about it as well is that it's you're never going to please everybody with these kind of stuff because you know you when you build when you retrofit a city around the car. And then people get used to that as a way of life and a way of traveling, then there's going to be opposition to that. I mean, um, what what really has surprised me when I learned when I first moved it is that there used to be trams, everything that used to run down like Gentleman's Walk and stuff like that. You know, you used to just hop off on, on a tram and then they pulled the tram lines out for, for the, the car in. And then I've seen all these old photos from the 30s and 40s and 50s of, of people parking their, their T model T's outside of <laughs> what's now WH Smith or whatever, you know, yeah. and it's, um, and then, of course, then they pedestrianise that. So it's going; it's, it's almost going back to its roots. So I think people mm. tend to forget that 
you know, oh, well, I, I have the right to drive my car where you don't. Well, actually, you, you've been making hay while the sun shines, you know. You've, it's been made for you for the past 50 or so years. It's, we're just mm. trying to return back to the way it was in a more pedestrian, public transport-friendly place. You know, instead of horse and carts now, we've got buses, electric buses. And it's interesting when um, the, I understand there are some journeys which you can't, you cannot use the bus for, yeah. you cannot cycle, yeah. and you cannot walk. But actually, the vast majority of, of times, you can. Um, and I live in the city and, and I use the bus. It'd be a bit weird if I didn't, having working for, <laughs> for, work, true, you know, yeah. working for the bus company. But and yeah, occasionally it might be five minutes late. It, it might not run every now and again. But as a whole, the reliability of the services in Norwich are actually really good. Mm. And it's it's those negative experiences where somebody's going out to try the bus and it just happens to be that one time. Yeah, yeah. And they've now got that negative um, image in their head f- for forever. It's just unfortunate that, that that people are letting one negative experience ruin what could be if you know just try it again just give it a little bit of time get used yeah. to the your new regimes with leaving your house five minutes earlier to make sure you get the bus in time to get to your next place or whatever yeah and and with these new buses the reliability is already set to increase and the service levels are increasing um already we had a, had a service change last week where we've doubled the frequency on the charcoal line we're now going to halesworth uh, used to be four buses a day to holston now there's 13 like it's this the service levels increasing is incredible. Mm. I was going around changing the timetables and I thought, uh, I thought there'd be like two or three extra journeys. I've never seen something jump up by that much. That's incredible. <laughs> but it must be going really yeah. well. So it is the way forward. Whether yeah. people like it or not, um, jump on the bus, give it a try. Now's the, now's the time to, to try. Yeah, and I've, you know, if we when we get to that critical mass where you get enough people out of their cars in the buses and suddenly those buses are, are running smoothly. I mean, there's, mm. you know, there's, I know that Norwich are trying to do their best to kind of improve, you know, the the bus lanes and stuff like that. But you've got bus lanes along the major routes, so Newmarket mm. Road and Deerham Road and stuff like that. So you know they're trying their very very best to kind of implement that. Um, but yeah, I would say I'd say the same as you. You know, get get one of those ten ten ride passes. You know, because it's cheaper that way. Um, if you're feeling really ambitious, go for a monthly pass. You know, and then say right, I've got myself this ten ride ticket or i've got this my monthly pass that's it that's what i'm going to try it out for 10 days try it out for a month and then you can make an informed decision to see if it works for you or not mm. and maybe even speak to your um, organization of who you work for folks because they might you might not even know they might actually have a staff scheme to support your public transport fund or something you know that you don't know they might do because you just might never ask just like some people never knew that there was a bike to work scheme until Oh yeah, we, we've registered to that. Or oh, why don't you tell your staff then? Oh, we didn't think anyone would be interested. I well, know, but because it's You've but got yeah, lost people. yeah. So I'll give give it a go. And uh, I have to give a shout out to Charlotte, my colleague at the UEA, who uh, who um, we we me my uh, well Charlotte mostly ran it, but herself and I and a couple other EV drivers for uh, UEA outreach, we um, set the staff. Uh, the department uh, challenge an EV challenge for a, for a month um, because we've got EVs as fleet cars. Um, well, we've got two Nissan Leafs for at the UEA, but we've also got some petrol cars. But the challenge was not just for the staff to use those EV fleet cars; it was also to see if they can use public transport or cycle or walk to work. And they had to provide evidence that they've done it. So it could be a selfie of them walking to work. It could be, you know, a snapshot of an app that shows their steps that they've done. Whatever it is, it's just a bit of fun, you know. And there's little little kind of like little kind of vouchers, a prize for the winning team and stuff like that. But people loved it. 
they loved it and it just got them thinking you know what i can make this journey by bus i can make this journey by by train i can make this journey by it so at least i've got that option yeah that's the main thing isn't it even if it's just one journey a week, like if yeah. you're going to the football, for example, try getting on the Norwich City shuttles or your, your network Norwich bus just to make that journey and then carry on driving to work during the week. That one journey yeah. is going to make the world a difference. Yeah. I, I, I say the same to uh, when, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not like military, militaristic vegan or something like that, but what I say to people is that like, you know, here at home, we try to eat a vegan meal, you know, once or twice a week, you know? Rather than you know, have to go completely vegan. Ah, oh, you know these <laughs> vegan, these vegan, you know, ideologists, you know, evangelists or whatever. But yeah, we just say, just give it a go for one day. You'll be surprised. You pick up a lovely vegan meal. Oh, I didn't realise how nice this was, and then mm. it might creep in as a habit. It might not. So, but there it's you go. Giving it a go, isn't it? Worth <laughs> giving it a go. Right. Um, so yeah, um, there you go, folks. We've done a bit of environment plug for public transport there. Uh, so next time, yeah, next if you're going to visit Norwich, folks, it is a lovely city. It's a fine city, as we call it. Um, it's um, I do recommend that if you ever come here and visit, it is out of the way, but it's worth it. We've got the broads, we've got all the history, we've got all the stuff. Park yourself at the park and ride, you know, and uh, we've got plenty of park and rides. Um, how much is it? Is it because some days it was just a quid for? Was it just a quid for Pride or something? I can't remember. Uh, I'm not sure what the park and ride prices are, but it's only a couple of quid at the moment anyway because of the government schemes where every single journey is maximum of £2 anyway. Well, there you go, folks. So, So. you know, that is a lot cheaper than trying to drive in the city and and park. Yeah. (laughs) We've got one last thing to do then. Uh, We're going to do We Are All Geographers where we're going to finish off connecting you to our previous guest. So our previous guest also uh, in Norwich was my um, ex-UEA colleague, Connor, who's now a PhD student looking at earthquakes in Tibet. Wow. That's all right, isn't it? Um, so what it what this is, Zach, is that I I say to folks, right, you've got to talk about a word for thirty seconds, right? But it's the guest previously who gives you that word, right? Okay. So it's like a bit <laughs> of a domino kind of thing. Yeah. Now, um, Connor um, has come up with the word. We were sitting at a, a cafe on campus. We did it in person. And all he did was he, he couldn't think of a word. So he just looked at the thing that was on, on the cafe desk of this, which was this UEA thing with a, bar, with a QR code in it. It just had the word exploring on it. So Connor just went, you know what? I'm going to choose the word exploring. Now, actually, I think that's a perfect word for you, Gary, in mind of what we've just talked about. <laughs> I'm, I'm so bit. relieved. <laughs> yeah. So, so Zach, um, you can see the, the, the timer up there in the top left. So whenever you start, give yourself 30 seconds to talk about the word exploring in any way, shape or form you so wish. Okay. Well, on the subject of bus travel, why not in this summer holidays go exploring by bus? There are some handy maps available at the bus station for, for the Connect bus and First bus as well, where there's literally, it gives you days out ideas by bus. It tells you where to catch the bus, what bus to catch, where you're going to. It's got pubs and walks and theme parks and beaches and all sorts of things like that. And it's the perfect the perfect thing to go and pick up to go exploring by bus. So get off, get off down to the bus station nice. or the travel shop on Castle Meadow, pick up an explore map and... Go explore. Uh, I, that, <laughs> I have to I have to applaud that. I don't often applaud applaud the we're all geographers there, Zach, but that was perfect. That was perfect. Thank you. Right on <laughs> right on message. Yeah, I fully agree with that. One of the best ones for me, um the the one along the North Norfolk coast. The coast hopper. hopper. Yeah. Yeah, love it. Absolutely love it. My favourite is the open top bus, which goes from Great Yarmouth to Hemsby. 
Oh yeah, and uh, it's it's the one C. It's about a forty-five minute journey, end to end, open top. You get to see the coast and the scroby sands when you get to the oh. seafront. It goes all the way down the attractions, past the the big wheel and and the fairs and everything. It's it's great. And if you're lucky, I might be driving it. <laughs> cool, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, we never got onto like what all the buses and coaches you could, you could drive. Oh right, Zach. So before we before we forget, then um, so. For my next guest, whenever and whoever I speak to, um, what are you going to go for for their I, your word? I did have a little think over the last few, few days about what word it should be. <laughs> and I think sometimes you overthink things. And <laughs> I feel really bad now because exploring was such an easy one for me to do. And the only the thing that stuck in my head, the, the, the word that I came planned with was something really random. And it's carpet. Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's is do it. that okay? Yes, totally. Is it doable? Random, random is great. We love random. I've had so, uh, uh, look, folks. I'm not even going to tell you what the words. You just have to listen to the old podcast. But I've had some random ones, really like trampoline, toenail, you know, and stuff like that. But I don't um, think I'll be able to speak for thirty seconds about toenails, to be honest. <laughs> right, Zach. So, do you have any uh, any shout outs you'd like to give? Uh, I'll shout out uh, my other half, Elliot, for making that yep. lovely milkshake smoothie. Thank you, Elliot. Um, <laughs> and uh, a shout out to everybody that came on on the Pride bus during Norwich yeah. Pride the other day. That was a, a really fun day, and lots of people came up and said how awesome it was and how much it meant to them that it, it was out yeah. working every day. So Yeah, that's it, folks. And, and it's one thing that is quite nice to see because I've seen that bus – you know, on the lead up to this pride, it, you know, it, obviously it's got its livery, it's got its um, decals on, and and it's nice to see that that bus is out there, and it's it's going to be, it's not just for Pride Day, so Norwich Pride, which is usually the end of July. So, I, I want to say, well, we're both members of the LGBTQ community, but it's, you know, from the trans community particularly, though, that really does mean a lot. So, thank you first for that. It really does mean a lot, and um, we've had too much as. as you could probably attest to Zach. We've had too much uh, performative fair weather allyship by corporations, and we need to see it all year round, not just for a single day. So, yeah, thank absolutely. you so much. First, and um, for people who, who absolutely love your wackiness about, you know, we didn't even get the chance to talk about, you know, symphonic metal in general. You, you'd mentioned that you love Nightwish, but if love people love that kind of music or they want to geek out about Eurovision license plates, Europe buses, where can they find mm-hmm. you on social media? <laughs> Well, I am easily accessible on Twitter um, or X. As or whatever they call it. Oh, my God. <laughs> so uh, is it still tweet? So you, you can X me. <laughs> we'll all have to get used to this. Um, at Zach underscore Nelson 22. And that's Zach Z-A-K, not Z-A-C or Z-A-C-H. Z-A-K. Um, I'm also on TikTok um, under at Busman underscore Zach. So I do videos about my work on there. So there's lots of behind the scenes, cool little videos that you can find on there. Nice. So if you get on TikTok, drop me a follow and I'll uh, interact with you there. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm going to, I mean, I've, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, you know, you know, when you get to like a freezing pool of water and you're like dipping your toe and that's TikTok for me. I'm like, I don't want to dive in. This is too Yeah, that was, but- that was me initially. I've, I joined in <laughs> April last year and I just started posting thinking, well, this is fun and ended up getting a, a lot of interest and oh. it was really good fun and a year oh. later I'm, I'm really pleased that i did it oh no not you as it's well. not just for oh, the kids God. Oh. <laughs> oh i don't know right zach i've really enjoyed this evening's chat it's been lovely to get to know you and um yeah I, hopefully um the next time i'll actually get to see you in person next time i uh there's pride 
well, yeah, at least next year. If you've got the Pride bus there again, I'll definitely make sure I come and yeah. pay a visit, get some jelly beans, you know. Excellent. <laughs> at least keep the, keep the kids happy. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time, Zach. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you had fun. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe so more stories and experiences can drop into your favourite podcast app. If you fancy being a guest or have any feedback, follow us on Twitter at CoffeeJogPod and send us a DM. Or you could email coffeeandjog at geogramblings.com. Until next time, keep geogging.